Welcome to Future Proof, the marketing podcast from Kantar and Side Business School, University of Oxford. In each episode, we speak with marketing leaders and share insights to help brands and business leaders navigate the ever-changing marketing landscape and hopefully dispel some myths and misconceptions along the way. So our guests today are... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Both from Kantar, we have Ted Prince, who's our Chief Product Officer, and we have Ashok Kalidas, who is our head of data science and innovation. And some may call him our AI genius. So we've got two really amazing people on, on the podcast today. So if we think about AI from the point of view of our role at Kantar, we're here to be an indispensable partner to our clients. And we're here to derive really good and meaningful insights from consumers. So my questions really are around AI, is it heralding a new renaissance, perhaps, for market research? Um, What does it mean for the industry and what does it mean for our clients? So we've done some research at Kantar among marketers, our media reactions research, which showed that 67% of marketers, about two thirds, are really positive or somewhat positive about AI. So that's a really good starting point. Let's talk and ask you, Ted, first about our approach to AI at Kantar. So what are some of the things that you're thinking about? Yeah, thanks so much, Jane. So so I think we look at it uh, really in, in two ways is, one, how can we um, enable our insights and results back to our clients faster? So we obviously... Um, go through a complex process of getting human feedback and getting high quality feedback. And then we need to um, synthesize that and make it um, uh, usable by driving insights and and recommendations. So one of the things that we're really excited about is our ability um, to synthesize and move faster, driving those um, recommendations to clients. Um, The second is once we make those recommendations, clients always have um, follow on or what we may call ad hoc queries and our ability to, to um, uh, execute on those ad hoc queries in a very real time basis is exciting. So instead of having to go back and look at the research and, you know, say a client asks how a particular brand's power in a particular country is, you know, instead of going after to go back and have to look through all the research, we're able um, to, to very um, uh, quickly 
derive that question and get that answer. And I, so making our, our, our insights more actionable and accessible is something that's really exciting. Okay, so there's there's lots going on with AI, um, certainly at Kantar. Ashok, let's go to you and let's go back a couple of steps and talk about perhaps a little bit about the timeline of AI and generative AI um, and what you think of, is of interest in the market research sector and how we can help our clients get these actionable insights. Yeah, so over the past two years or so, we've... We have been and are continuing to do groundbreaking work in, in generative AI, right? But of course, we've been working in machine learning for a very long time, over over 10 years, I'd say. And the first AI product actually was in this natural language processing, natural language generation space about six years back. And we followed that up with Link AI about five years back. That was well ahead of its time in terms of evaluating ad effectiveness based on just a video using an end-to-end AI pipeline. And over the last four years, we've introduced AI products in the area of ROI modeling, separating signal from noise in terms of trend data, which is a trend AI product, and of course, all the generative AI work over the past couple of years. So. It's been quite a journey, and I'd say if I want to distill that down to some principles, I'd say there are three broad principles. There's first around data agnosticity and data variety. Second, I'd say the types of questions we're able to answer, and Ted brought that out quite eloquently. And third, maybe the guardrails or our special IP that we put around AI. Uh, and, and very briefly, the first point around data sets, I mean, we're blessed at Cantor to have a really rich collection of data sets, whether it's the survey data or copy testing data, behavioral data, et cetera. So anything we build tries to leverage this full collection. Second, uh, in terms of using AI to answer questions, we try and go beyond the obvious questions around describing what the insight is in a piece of data to diagnostics and predictions, the whys, and then being prescriptive as well. So what actions would you take based on your predictions? How would you optimize something? What's the next best action? And then the third principle in terms of guardrails or IP is very important, particularly with the latest generative AI models. In real life, it's not so simple as just posing a question in a playground and running with the first response that comes out, right? So there's enormous skill and science involved in making sure the answer is accurate, relevant, in some way it's sensitive to your data, incorporates your view of the world as Cantor. That last mile of IP or special sauce is what takes 80% of the time or work, and that is what actually makes a successful AI product. So again, three principles, I think, underlie everything we do, data, flexibility, variety, the types of questions we're able to answer, and the ability to add sort of a customizable, intelligent layer on top of the foundation models. Okay, so quality of data is is paramount here. Um, let's move on a bit to talk about um, how we're leveraging AI in our uh, products and solutions. Um, in the same piece of research that I mentioned at Media Reactions in the marketers survey, um, 55% of marketers said that AI was a really good way of measuring the effectiveness of creative, which would otherwise go unmeasured and most of that, I think, is digital creative. Um, Ted, what's what's our approach to Link AI, and how is it helping our clients understand more about the effectiveness of what they're doing? 
Yeah. So if you look at um, all of our uh, products and, and the Shook referred to this, it, it's underway by our um, unique data sets and our unique IP. So um, when we launched uh, Link AI before my time, so credit goes to the Shook, um, we, we really made it based on the foundational data we have of, of 230,000 people responding to ads. So, um, you know, it's, it's easy to build a model based on um, any, t- any type of information to assess creative effectiveness or um, creative uplift. But what's really difficult is basing it on actual um, human feedback, and in our case, um, hundreds of thousands of human feedback. So um, you'll see, you know, all of our AI will be, um, we, we like to talk about our expertise amplified by technology. So we like to rely on our expertise around creative lift and creative effectiveness, but build that into some AI models so we can turn um, client results around really fast. And, you know, what, what we really recommend is, running everything through link AI. And then if you have further questions going out to our actual link plus product, so um, going out to surveys and actual um, consumers, but this gives you a very quick look. Um, Is your ad effective? Is it achieving what you want to do? And as you have more questions, you can go out to, you know, actual survey. And, and, you know, one of the things, and I know Jane, you and I have talked about this is, um, how much people spend on targeting ads to the right demographics, but how little they spend on. Um... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Testing the ads to make sure it will be effective with those right demographic. So, um, you know, what we really encourage folks is, is test your ads before you target. So um, th- th- that's our approach. Yeah. And of course, in addition to that, um, with our survey solutions as well, we use AI in a kind of hybrid approach. So whether it's measuring emotion using emotion AI or even AI eye tracking, we can add on sort of predictive sensibility to survey solutions as well by using AI. The same group of marketers, Ted, also said that um, AI was on the top five of their list of things they they were concerned about and thinking about. But actually, number one on their list of concerns was how they measure the ROI of marketing. So, um, Ted, can you just tell us a little bit about UMMO um, and how we use AI to help marketers understand ROI? Sure. So um, we have a... a 
product out um, that we uh, call our um, unified measurement solution. It, and it runs on something called Hamilton AI, which is our um, models underneath it. And so, you know, what we're trying to do is look at um, actual ad spends and tie it to actions and then drive predictions um, with around the effectiveness of that um, ad spend. And so, um, you know, we found by trying to target um, certain consumers or target um, certain ad effectiveness, we can really predict um, the what your ad, how your ads can perform and how it's going to drive the results that you wanted. Um, to do. So using um, this new capability, we're really excited about this solution and really helping marketers determine what are the, um, you know, what are the effective uh, ad campaigns, what are the effective channels, and how are you delivering the results and ROI that you wanted. So these are, these are things that we do and we deliver for clients today. Ashok, tell us a bit more about how we're innovating and experimenting around text, video, qualitative research. What, what does that look like for you? What is your team working on at the moment? Yeah, I think that's a really, really important question. I mean, because too often, I think we get caught up in our standard numeric or tabular data, but really data comes in all shapes and sizes, right? So we have qualitative interviews, open-ended survey questions, we have images, they could be static ads or concepts, we have search and social data, we have videos, audio tracks, whatever. And so I think in the last two, three years, uh, the big so-called foundation models have given us capabilities going well beyond what I may say was traditional AI or traditional machine learning. So we can now summarize data automatically, whether that's text or video or audio. We can group similar data together. And in fact, we can interchangeably use image and text. We can use text to create images or describe images using text and all of that automatically. We can discern features or attributes from images or text just through simple prompting or even videos and so on. So, so these capabilities, I think, have opened a large number of possibilities for us that, that were knee-deep in, whether it is to help do things faster, and Ted talked about that, whether it is to do things at better quality. For example, we can predict much better now because the new models understand more clearly what exactly is in a picture or a video. And then we can we can finally develop new products that were just not possible before. So can we use AI to create better concepts? Can we move upstream and create early ideas for ads? Can we do an in-the-moment survey impromptu in a conversational style? Can we ask questions of large bodies of reports or articles um, we may have by, by giving instructions in natural language and receiving responses back in natural language with, with maybe some supporting charts or pictures or even videos? So there's a large number of opportunities I'd say we're playing in with respect to all of these different diverse data types and it truly is an exciting moment for us. So let's think about that a little bit more and um, push forward into where we think this is all going in, in the future, both in you know thought leadership and our product innovation and how we maintain and um, you know grow our advantage here. So one of the experiments that you've recently done, Ashok, uh, a very popular article that we published was on the topic of synthetic samples. So can we generate 
um, artificial responses as if they were from real people. And you did a side-by-side test comparing real responses on on a particular category with generated um, artificially intelligent uh, responses. What, in brief, were the findings there? Right, right. So we did a super interesting experiment. So essentially, we had a human sample, a large sample, about 5,000 people. We asked them some questions around luxury product. So questions around price sensitivity, attitudes towards technology, towards the environment, etc. We created digital clones of these 5,000 people, essentially using the same demographics. So there were like 10, 15 descriptors, pretty detailed descriptors uh, for, for these people. And so for each of these clones, we essentially asked the large language model to project its best response to those same questions, right? And we compared them side by side. So I think two key findings. First, we found that generally the LLM had a positive bias overall in terms of most attitudinal questions for, for no apparent reason. And second, the LLM lacked variance or variation. So if you looked at all the responses within, let's say, the same age group within the same geography, the LLM responses were bunched together much more, whereas human data was richer, more diverse. So in other words, the LLM tended to be more stereotypical. Right? So so bottom line, the tech is not there yet, and, and we just can't use synthetic samples in new human ones today. Uh, and of course, it depends on what we're talking about, right? So maybe general political orientation may be okay, but not the trial of a new product, not so fine. If we're talking about an idea that's very new, not part of the model's training data, then of course, all bets are off. I mean, all that said as an adjunct to human sample to round out our understanding, maybe there's something there. Uh, and in fact, one interesting idea we're, we're exploring is uh, fine tuning of these LLMs or indeed other foundation models on proprietary data sets. So the idea being that we, if we expose these models to typical marketing data sets, uh, the kind of rich data sets we at Cantor have with marketing metrics, marketing outcomes, it may be able to better learn the patterns between them. So so obviously we, we have this unique capability to link attitudes, demographics, behaviors, media usage, all of these, right? Then a synthetic sample trained on such data could actually be extremely valuable. So that's an idea I think that has lots of potential. I just wouldn't call it a synthetic sample anymore, at least not the way that term is used in industry today. Okay, what would you call it then, Ashok? I think it is a an AI model in its own right. Uh, let's call it the Oracle for, for want of a better name. But it is a model that is actually trained on real data, on real human data underpinning it, as opposed to something that projects and extrapolates beyond its frame of reference or frame of training. Right, which is the issue we have with it. As long as it's well grounded in data that we have confidence in, it is a prediction model, not unlike any other prediction models we use, like Link AI is an example of that. It's trained on real data, it is an AI model, and something like what I'm proposing would be no different conceptually from that. Okay, so let's just talk a little bit about our roadmaps, Ashok, and then Ted, I'll come on to you about you know the future of partnerships and, and what we're doing with AI more broadly and what it means for us at Kantar. Um, Ashok, tell us a 
little bit about um, innovation AI and trend AI, which are a couple of exciting developments that you're working on. What's your vision for um, how AI can support us there? Right. So we, we actually have some exciting developments in the innovation space. We're trialing a new model concept AI, which can essentially leverage a combination of both traditional AI or machine learning along with the latest generative AI to predict concept trial. And we won't stop there. The goal eventually is to use this model to not just predict how a new concept might do, but also to provide some nudges, some guidance to our clients on how to build even better concepts. So some ideas around optimization of concepts. Uh, Trend AI, of course, is, is a big part of what we do in our brand work. We're embedding it in all our brand trackers. It truly is a unique way to separate signal from noise. Uh, we're evolving the methodology of this continuously. And in particular, one thing that excites me about it is that we want to take into account uh, what in technical parlance is called discontinuities in the data. So when there are jumps in the time series, when, for example, there's a new campaign or some significant event in the market, either of ours or a competing brand or something, you see all these jumps. And traditional models have a lot of difficulty dealing with such, such phenomena. And again, we want to bring the best of what's out there. So lots of interesting developments in, in innovation as well as trend AI. And of course, along with other things in creative, we have a lot of other interesting developments too. Fantastic. So Ted, let's let's end with you and let's let's think more broadly about how we're working in partnership, what AI means for the future of market research, but most importantly, how we think it will benefit our clients. Yeah, I, I think um, you know we're we're at a really exciting revolutionary point in market research where um, we can derive insights much faster and um, incorporate many more disparate data sets. So to tie together, you know, with, how do you tie together sales data with brand equity data, with social data, um, with search data? So you're trying to really, um, you know, we, of, we often talk about operationalizing brand. We understand brands and the power of them, but how do you, um, really see what's driving the individual um, action, what under underlying actions are driving brand perception and um, um, sales, and and so AI is really an ability is a new capability that we can to bring together all these disparate signals and try to really derive insights and drive it forward. And so it's really an exciting time. So Ted, can you just explain a little bit more about some of the partners that we're working with in this space? Yeah, thanks. And and we've been very fortunate to be able to partner with some of the leaders in this space, like Microsoft or Quantum Black or BCGX. And we have a partnership with uh, Answer Rocket that a number of our clients used to um, inter interrogate some of our data. So um, we are developing a lot in-house, but we also are looking to partner with some of the best players in the Gen AI space. Just sitting here listening to a shook talk, it always uh, gets me excited uh, of, of the possibility. So thanks so much, uh, Jane, for hosting and Ashok for uh, educating all of us. You've been listening to Future Proof from Kantar and Side Business School. For all episodes and more information, visit kantar.com or oxfordfutureofmarketing.com. 
If you enjoyed this, please leave us a rating and a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. Thank you.